Welcome to the Live Aloha podcast. In the Hawaiian language, aloha is more than a salutation. It can mean love, affection, compassion, mercy, sympathy, kindness, and even grace. But living aloha is the coordination of the mind and the heart within each of us with a mutual regard and affection that can extend warmth and caring And here's the key part, with no obligation in return. So join us as we explore life through the eyes of the Aloha Spirit. And mahalo for listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Live Aloha podcast. Hi friends. Today we are going to be talking to someone who I've known since he was a wee little lad, Um, (laughs) and um, we've worked together, we're friends together, you know, friends together. Anyways, uh, Jonathan Livett. Hi, Jonathan. Hello, Mariah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, A wee little lad, I like that. (laughs) A wee little lad, you were, yeah, so. 22 years old. (laughs) You were younger than that. Yeah, I think you're right. No, because seriously, you were like, I think you were like 19. Maybe. Yeah, I know you were young. Got on the internet. <laughs> well, gosh, now we need to tell people how we met. They're going to think. <laughs> Just starting off with a bang here. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so Jonathan and I met. This is so, like, if you know Jonathan, this is how he meets 99.9% of his friends. Um, but he met, he met me on Twitter through, um, I'm sure, something to do with running. Probably. Or marketing tweet chats or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure it had to be marketing. Yeah. So anyways, um, we made a internet friendship and um, I don't remember when I met you for the first time. Maybe years. I had. I, mean, like, I, think, we it was, I think it was Boston 2014. Were, were you at the expo? Maybe. Oh, the expo I helped you put to you and your company put together. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't go. <laughs> uh, maybe, um, maybe it was a couple of years ago. I, anyway, it was it was a long time coming. Yeah, it was a long time coming. Anyways, um, but uh, Jonathan and I have formed this. I, you know, to be quite honest, I don't have another relationship like you and I. Um, you know. It, Depending on what hat we're wearing is how I would describe you. You know, we work together. Um, we, I would consider you almost like my little brother, um, my friend, my, you know, a, a fellow running buddy. Um, but you, you wear many hats in my world, which is interesting. So, but we wanted to talk today not about running, not about how we know each other, but about mental health, um, something that you and I are big advocates for. But before we dive into that, why don't you tell the internet, uh, the five people maybe on the internet who don't know you, um, <laughs> where you come from, where you were born, what, what's your family, like, give us a little bit, you know, of a... Yeah, so I live in Boston, and I've started, actually, I'll back up, I've started saying the same thing that you say. My furniture lives in Boston, and <laughs> sometimes I reside here as well. Um, I grew up about 30 minutes west of the city um, in a town called Needham, 
I've lived in Boston proper for about six years now. Um, and yeah, that's me. Love traveling all over the place. Do it for work, do it for fun. Um, and uh, enjoy getting up into mountains. And tell us a little bit about, I guess, your your growing up life. Um, family, siblings. Tell us a little yeah, bit about Yes, so I have a younger sister. She's two and a half years younger. Um, my parents, I'm very close with both of my parents. Um, we had, you know, this traditional family dynamic. Um, growing up in a decent town and with a decent school system and, you know, pretty uh, average, uh, you know, experience as a elementary school kid, middle school kid, high school kid, you know, pretty standard, uh, par for the course, what, you know, if you were to assume something about a, you know, a, somebody who grew up in the suburbs of Boston, that was pretty <laughs> much my experience. And... Uh, how would you describe, I guess, how would you describe you, your personality? Um, so you described me the other day as a golden retriever, and I freaking love that. I thought about that for so long, and I think that that's the best way to describe me. I just love everyone, and and I love dogs, <laughs> and um, I like to see the good in people, and and I like to pet dogs. And um, and I'm just like a really optimistic, happy-go-lucky kind of person that I feel like I can get along with anyone. Uh, and I enjoy that. Yeah. So Jonathan and I were talking about um, something, and I don't remember why, but I was like, you know, in my head, you're always, I describe you as your personality. You're just your golden retriever. Like, everybody <laughs> loves you. You love everybody. You're, you're kind of like... You're you're excited with what's in front of you. You're not thinking about what's behind you. What's what's in front? Like I very much live in the moment. You do. You live in the moment and um, live in love in the moment. You do. And you while just... while that is while there are, and I think in the moment we were talking about that is how that creates some blinders for you. But <laughs> it definitely is what makes you so awesome and what makes so many people flock to you and want to hang out with you and. And then, yeah, I mean, bonus that that was a analogy to a dog because you and I are both obsessed with dogs. Very true. <laughs> so um, why we are talking today about mental health, um, let's, uh, let's take a little wind back and maybe tell people why you and I have a connection with that topic. So a couple of years ago, I want to say you made a suggestion to me. Uh, we were going through some struggles in our friendship, not struggles in our friendship, more like in the work dynamic. And, and your suggestion was to look for mentors or look for, um, you know, some, some outside guidance. There's somebody knew that I didn't know or therapy or something of that nature. Um, and I had heard that from a couple of different angles from people I respect greatly, uh, yourself included, obviously. And I didn't know that. Wait, back, I'm going to pause you at it. Cause what I was going to ask you was, what did you think about that? And it was, I the first person, but I didn't know other people had said that to you too. Yep. Um, both my parents, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm very close with my dad and also very close to my mom. And um, my dad had just started going to therapy, I want to say, about a year ago, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. Um, and my mom has seen one. And I'll back up even further. When I was a kid, I was seeing therapists. So, like, the, the concept of having a mentor or having a therapist, you know, more, like, formal therapist yeah um was nothing abnormal to me mm-hmm. and it was like uh no that's weird like that's strange it's like yeah i saw i saw one um every uh, dr nardone every you know week from third grade till maybe sixth grade and then every month from seventh grade until high school and then um every six months when I was in college and stuff like that. Uh, so it wasn't like, it wasn't the first time I'd heard of it and it wasn't a, a shocking suggestion. It was just like another, yep, okay, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> That's probably something that I should get get back into doing. And so what made you decide to pull that plug and um, you know dive back into therapy? It's having a lot of communication problems with people that mattered a lot to me. Um, family, relationships, friends, coworkers, and I was in a in a place where I was really only I don't know why, but like everything I did was like I don't want to say like selfish, but like I don't know, I was like doing a lot of stuff because I wanted to do it and not thinking of repercussions basically. And that was contributing to things not going well in relationships and um, with family and you know not spending enough time with the people that matter most. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why I sort of went down that rabbit hole, but uh, I did and I needed to get out of it and I wasn't able to have strong communication with my girlfriend at the time, with my parents, with my grandparents, my sister, um, my coworkers, some of my friends. Um, I don't know, I was like, you know, mid twenties at the time and just like dealing with whatever I wanted to deal with versus like what needed to be dealt with or what needed to be talked about. So was there like a catalyst that got you to, to that spot or was it just like a culmination of, all right, I got to just pull the plug? Yeah, I mean, you asked if I had any boundaries on this, so we're just going to roll with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, to be honest, I was in a relationship that I wasn't happy in and that was the catalyst. Um, I was uh, not communicating with my sister and... That was a problem for her and for my mom and for my dad. And I was having really poor communication with my mom as well. Um, And so it was this trio of, um, and the stuff that, you know, we talked about with the work stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, I don't know, four different things that (laughs) had a substantial impact on my life that I needed to figure out. And, um, People kept saying, you know, therapy, therapy, therapy. You should go talk to someone about this. So a little bit of logistics side note. Um, how Did you go back to your old therapist or how did you find 
if it was a new one, how'd you find him or her? So ironically, or maybe not ironically, my roommate at the time uh, was a therapist um, at Boston University. And so we had always had this like um, relationship where he would, we're, we're sitting next to this, this chair or I'm sitting next to this chair in my living room and it very much looks like a, a chair that like a lawyer or a, a um, therapist would, <laughs> would sit in. It was really funny. Like every so often he'd be sitting in this chair and I'd be sitting on the couch and he would just like ask these probing questions and we'd just like get into it and, and talk about shit. And it got to a point where I was like, I should probably see like, like pay somebody for this and like do this, <laughs> do this properly. So I asked him, I was like, Hey dude, like where, where do I find a therapist? I don't know where to look. Um, and he told me psychologytoday.com. And so I went on and looked at a bunch of, um, bunch of therapists and found one in Brookline. I emailed like three of them and one gave, one said, I'm not taking any more clients right now. Another said, talk to this person. Another replied. Um, and so it was like the third person I talked to. It was like online dating. It was very odd. Like you could see their bios, you could read what they were interested in, um, or like specialize in. It's probably a better way to put it. Um, and I walked in there and like connected with this guy immediately. And that was probably last August. That's so funny that you mentioned that online dating thing because it really is like that. Um, I went through, so I was a lot like you in the sense that I had, it doesn't sound, it sounds like you had a more steady therapy session as a child. I did go to a therapist um, as a child, but um, not in a steady fashion by any means. But when I decided to go to therapy as an adult, I had maybe sat down with like five or six, but this was a long time ago in the sense that there weren't as many online resources as there are now. Um, so I had to essentially face-to-face -face date these people. Yeah. yeah. And that part was enough to almost make me want to quit because you have to tell your, like, <laughs> you yeah, spill your guts on the first date. Yeah. But then that's exhausting. Like, right. I almost want to, and it's funny, I think I saw like an article on like BuzzFeed or something where someone had written, had done a PowerPoint presentation of the, um, like the major points of their life to bring up to speed <laughs> new therapists. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I laughed and then I, half of me was like, I mean, that's kind of genius because right. I had thought in my head, like, why don't I just write down the points on a card and yeah. hand it to them when I first get there and be like, read this first. Like, <laughs> um, a CV letter. yeah. So, um, and it wasn't until I found, you know, uh, this one, this was back in when I lived in, um, another part of the state that I had, um, I spent two years with her. Um, she was phenomenal, and then the the opposite happened. She moved to New York. Um, I moved. I moved again, and she didn't allow um, true like online therapy. Right. And it was like breaking up with somebody. I was like, "But yeah. you know me, you know." Like, and so yeah. now I'm in the position of uh, dating therapists again, and I've gone to two already, and they're not the right fit, and it's it's annoying. Yeah. 
but um yeah, I got lucky on that um it uh, a lot of the people I talked to about it that's what they're most nervous about like like rejection from a therapist or like but but it's so worth it once you find that connection and once you yeah. have that connection I mean it's the same thing with dating but it's this is a little easier because <laughs> it's like arranged <laughs> and you can pick as many as you want and it's there's no problem with that and you pay them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh -oh. pay them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to check into this and I'm going to put this in the blog um, on the podcast because I'm definitely going to give a bunch of resources for people and links and stuff. But I even think that there are some um, healthcare plans that pay for like five a year or, you know, like a couple of different kinds a year. So I'm going to look into some of that. Um, did you look into any programs like that, or were you just looking for a connection kind of person? No, I, I just looked for whoever accepted my insurance yeah. and then found out later that, like, the copay was very manageable. Yeah. So um, what would you say if you were talking to someone new going to therapy, what would be some of the, like, key points you would say? Uh, so like, the biggest, some of the th stuff that people, so I, I've made a bunch of posts about mental health and people like DM about their questions or all that stuff. And it's freaking awesome. I had like a hundred people reply to one, one um, story about it. And the question that came up like a dozen times was like, but I'm okay. What am I going to talk about? And, or like, I, I li I'm privileged or I'm like, oh, white middle class person like what do I have to complain about like stuff like that and what what I said every single time was like a good therapist will ask the right questions to get to the bottom of or, or like uncover what is on your mind and you can be a perfectly privileged person and still have tons of shit going on or you can you can have a lot of things not in your favor and be the happiest person in the world yeah. Or you can have stuff going on. So it really doesn't matter, you know, if you feel awesome all the time or if you don't feel awesome all the time. A good therapist will will figure out what what's important to you and, and how to have those conversations and, and make whatever it is more tolerable or comfortable or whatever. I think also we tend to look at – I love that you have some of that feedback because we tend to look at therapy as a I'm going – because there's a problem, right? not necessarily I'm going because I just want to be a better human. Like maybe right. you've found a way to work happily within all of your um, personality traits. That doesn't necessarily mean that we shouldn't always strive to be better. Right. Um, I, I have almost gotten addicted to self-improvement um, and you should work on that. <laughs> I'm in therapy to <laughs> to not to not learn to how to be better at myself. <laughs> that's a that's a feedback loop, right? So, um, so that's definitely a thing. Um, but then, because I almost feel like it's super easy to say that's the low hanging fruit. Oh, I. I have trouble communicating or, oh, I have commitment issues or, oh, I have, you know, I had a bad childhood or, you know, like those are like easy things to talk about. So quote unquote easy. Um, 
but there's not, I, I personally don't believe that there's not a single person that wouldn't benefit from therapy. Totally. I mean, to basically have somebody who's your cheerleader and will listen to anything you say and then give you guidance on it, I can't think of anything better. <laughs> your therapist is your cheerleader? No, not really. But but in theory, right. like you can go to them with anything and they'll, you know, talk about a person as a cheerleader. A running coach can play that role. And the work that I've done with David Roche, he's basically that. And that's another aspect that has been added into my life in the last year and a half um, of this, like, every day there's this, like, wildly positive feedback. No matter what you do, mm -hmm. there is a positive, there's positive feedback that's coming. And... And it, sometimes it's just like a quick one-liner. Sometimes it's deep and metaphorical. And other times it's a recommendation of a song to listen to during a workout. Or like whatever it is, like this, that's been another component that's been just like so powerful and so incredible um, in my development in the last year and a half. That's interesting. So, I mean, you pay him too, though. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Um, so what if, so what I'm getting to is what if someone can't afford therapy? What are some of your suggestions? Talk, just talk to friends, talk to family. Um, I have friends or I have family members who don't talk and just keep things bottled up. That's what I was doing. Um, and once I started talking about things, it got easier to talk about things. And once I started talking about things, these things got easier. Or they didn't, but then they did. Right. Um, I think that a lot of people struggle with accepting that they don't feel awesome all the time. Mm -hmm. That like they feel like there's something off. <laughs> and what I've learned over the last year or so is that everyone is basically playing a big game of whack-a-mole and like like putting a band-aid on this and putting a band-aid on that and putting a band-aid on this and and dealing with that and dealing with this and everyone is walking around doing these things and if you're not i'd like to meet you <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sitting here like almost in tears. I'm so proud of you. Look at, look at, look at my little lad just growing <laughs> up. Um, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it, um, it, so it was funny. I was interviewing one of uh, a new therapist and he's asking, you know, these, your, your first date therapy questions. Right. And he's like, um, we get to the, the vices section. And he's like, um, do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you do drugs? Do you watch porn? Do you, like he's naming all of this stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And he goes, um, what are your vices? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> um, I said, well, I mean, maybe chocolate. Um, but he was like, that's not a vice. And I was like, the way I eat it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so but his point was like, he goes, well, what I'm looking for are bad coping mechanisms. Um, he's like, you, you don't have them. He goes, but everybody has vices. Everybody has, which is, I think basically what you're saying is uh, a Band-Aid over a problem. 
um, to mask, you know, kind of what we're going through. Yeah, and that's universal, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't like to live my life in absolutes, but I've yet to meet somebody that doesn't put a Band-Aid on something. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to search the world, probably because I love to travel, to look for that person. <laughs> Here in Hawaii, they may have those people, or Boulder, they may have some of those people. You or... go to Boulder, uh, I'll go to Hawaii. All right, cool. We'll meet in the middle. <laughs> more than Southern California. Yeah. So, um, okay, so um, we've had, asked for tips for people who are just getting started. What are some of your tips for people who are in therapy, how to get the most out of it? Be real. Be honest. Um that's the place to do it. If you have demons, let them out. <laughs> um, how to get the most out of therapy. Um, I think it's, I think it's, a, you have to set yourself up for success. And so back to David. Um, David has my week structured in a way where my rest day is on the most stressful day of the week from a life standpoint, Monday. Nobody likes Mondays. So, so you know, we have all those meetings on Mondays, barely get any work done, just kidding. Um, <laughs> and, and adding another stress is counterproductive. So that's when we pick for the off day. So you could put a therapy session on a Monday and not and get you know not so great results or you can pick another day that is less stressful where you have a little bit more control over your schedule or whatever so your mental capacity to to dive into you know real shit is is better so i do it on tuesdays because i know that it's an easy run it's an easier work day than monday and i've likely had a good night's sleep the night before so I'm doing all these things that like allow myself to come to that session and I do it at, at five o'clock on, on Tuesdays. That's, I'd like to do it earlier, but you know, schedules don't really allow for that. Um, and I think that doing it at that time has put me in the, in a place where I can like be real and, and do the work. Um, that's really and, smart. I like, I really like what your run coach does, like separating. That's super smart. Um, it, like, it seems <laughs> seems like a no-brainer, but that's really smart. And I can definitely see where you're you're piecing together a place where you can be be in a place to succeed the most. You're you're watering your soil and you're bringing out the sunlight so that like, all right, this is the best possible scenario for me to get the most out of my fitness, which helps with my hormones, you know, which helps with my, um, my trickles into everything, which helps my work life, which makes me open up in therapy, which helps it like, it's just a nice little like circle. Right. So these, these are all the puzzle pieces that I think people have control over or, or have some semblance of control over or have control over half of these variables. So I show up to work later than pretty much all of my coworkers. That's pretty intentional. Um, it's not that I'm sleeping in and being lazy. 
but it's a choice that I've made that I take time for myself to sleep eight to eight and a half hours every night. If I sleep nine hours, great. Um, I take time to run in the morning and, and I'm very intentional with my sleep and with my runtime so that everything else can fall into place and I can be better at everything else because I've done the two things that like at my core are the most important from a consistency standpoint, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I, I feel that I do feel that like if I improve my running, I am able to improve work because I can, I feel better because I can relate to people, connect to people better. I can, you know, talk to different people or, you know, whatever, but can't do that if you don't sleep. And you get all these people that, you know, brag about, Oh, I need five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, six hours of sleep, whatever. I think you're lying. Um, or maybe you are there, you know, 1% of the population apparently needs that little sleep. But anyway, I've chosen to prioritize that so that everything else in my life is better. And I can be, I can be more productive with less time or the same amount of time. But that's something that I've also learned call it related to mental health. But like, these are choices that I'm making that allow me to feel more fulfilled and, and healthier in every sense of the word, so that I can put myself in these places where I can help other people or I can, you know, it's mm-hmm. that like, put your own mask on first before you help those around you. Right. We both travel a lot. We both hear that all the time. I take that metaphorically every time I hear it as a, as a reminder. Like, if you're not doing the things that are lighting a fire under your own core or in your own, whatever, I'm butchering the phrase. Um, then you can't you can't show up for those around you. You just have to show up for yourself, and then you can show up for those around you. So that's something that I've really prioritized in the last year, two years, and I think it's made a substantial difference in how I feel going about my day, and how I'm able to connect and be present for those people that are important. And so let's. Um... Let's kind of bring that full circle. Like, how are all of those relationships going? You know, how's your work? How's your sister? How's your mom? Like, like is, is all that better? So, my my sister has made comments to my mom, and my mom has made comments to my sister and to me, basically saying, like, you're a whole new person. Hmm. And you're, like, a literally a different person than who I knew five years ago. And you're present, you're, you're, you're here, you're not, um, you know, as I hate the phrase, like, I hate thinking about myself as selfish, but like, you're not as selfish as you used to be, like stuff like that. Um, for example, like my grandfather passed away a few weeks ago and, um, my mom and her father are were, you know, so, 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 so about as close as you could be as a parent and child. Um, that's what they had. And it was really tough for my mom and for my entire family and for my grandma. They were married for 60 years. Um, I went down to Florida, uh, in August. Um, and I was able to have a conversation with my grandfather, basically like, this is the last time we're ever going to see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love you. You, I, I love you. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Um, basically, like, I know I've done my job. Now it's time to do yours. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could have had that conversation three or four years ago. Really? Absolutely not. I barely could have it this year. And I'm, like, shaking thinking about it. Um, I was so terrified to go into that conversation. And but but I came out of it like, holy shit, that was the most powerful thing I've ever done. To like have a conversation with someone who knows they're dying and has accepted it. And he was able to like communicate the, the love that he had for our family. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like rambling, but no, well, no, well, I, what I want to know, cause this is really good stuff is what did you learn in therapy that helped you to, to be able to be, be a part of that moment? So I asked for help. I have, I had, I don't know, three friends that I was leaning on like real heavy half a dozen friends, but that I was leaning on real heavy. And some of them had just lost their grandfathers uh, or yeah, two of them actually had just lost their grandfathers. And one of them had lost her best friend um, a couple months prior. And I was, I was talking to them like daily for weeks and we were talking about stuff that was like literally life or death like these people are dying Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to deal with it and it was just like it was so cool to be able to connect with people about like like stuff that actually mattered like not like it's raining or like how's your day? like you get into an uber like how's your day like i fucking hate that question <laughs> sorry for swearing <laughs> ask that question actually cares they don't about it. um we were having conversations that actually mattered and and we were it, it was it was like so like so cool to have this connection so you built up a support system um and we're you know able to be vulnerable there yes and the vulnerability was huge because you know i think that guys in particular have a problem with like asking for help like i want to but um when it comes to when it comes to other stuff like now i'll ask for help but i used to be that exact stereotype like i would never ask for help just deal with it on my own or like shut up and don't talk about it um and you know maybe not as as bad as many people but definitely fall into that stereotype for sure uh, like the relationship stuff like i didn't talk about that for a while and i probably should have um i i was really good at you know, brushing things under the rug and yeah. just not dealing with it and we're dealing with it later. This is a future problem. And opening up and being vulnerable and asking for help and all this stuff has made that stop. And 
What do you think about, um, I recently read an article because it was mental health week, day, month, whatever. Um, I read an article that um, uh, suicide is on the rise in college campuses. Yep. And like astronomically this year um, or the past couple of years. Um, what do you, what do you, like, what are your thoughts on that? On why it's on the rise or? Mm-hmm. Anything, it? well, anything. So I recently went to a panel on men's mental health in um, Colorado and it was like mostly about suicide and I dealt with depression as a kid um, from like third grade to fifth grade. Uh, I was just like angry little kid. No reason to be angry. Um, I remember one day I like ripped out all the leaves on a tree in my parents' front yard because I was just so angry. Um, but I never got, I never got to that point. And maybe I made some comments about like, oh, if I was, but like, it wasn't serious mm-hmm. in that regard. And I can't, I can't imagine, like being at that place but I know like plenty of people get there and it was just fascinating to hear um, people talk openly about their spouse who commits suicide mm-hmm. or um, you know Rob Carr is an athlete I and friend that I respect wildly and he talks openly about his thoughts related to suicide mm-hmm. a professional athlete and he has, you know, he's very open about his struggles with mental health. Tim Ferriss, too, who we both like. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I don't know, I don't know how to reply to that about My, the... Why I brought it up is because, uh, to me, uh, the school system is already set setting you up to, to not have really a support system. You know, you're right. nine times out of 10, you're away from your town, you're right. away from your friends, you're away from your parents. All the things that you just said helped you get through some of the hardest times in your life. Um, we, you know, uh, kids get ripped away from in the, in the college time. Yeah. And um, I don't want to blame like social media because honestly I like to see the good in social yeah. media. Um, but there are all these culminations of things that kind of stack upon stack upon stack that get people. I I can see where um, maybe it's not that we focus on the word mental health, but the phrase like start connecting. Yeah. I think that's that social media allows us to do that. And it also allows us to be so removed from connections like you can just like sit here and scroll and scroll and scroll like with other people in the room Mm -hmm. that's not connecting if you're using social media around other people you can connect the way that we connect you can connect the way that um my friend crystal siebert calls it you know uh square world to real world um that's how you that's how you connect i like that (laughs) and and i think it's such a powerful tool but you get onto a 
a train or any public transportation or whatever, it's like frightening to see the fact that everybody is like staring down at their phones. I'm guilty of it too. I do it all the damn time. Um, my friend Brogan Graham, who you know as well, is um, a huge fan of talking to strangers and just like like being different and and doing things that are you know a little out of the norm, like talking to the person next to you and at Dunkin' Donuts, you know, in line or buying coffee for the the stranger behind you at the coffee shop in Flagstaff mm -hmm. that, and it was fascinating uh, stuff like that where like that's connection you ask a whole bunch of questions to a complete stranger with no intent of of doing anything like purely just for the connection so much so that you go into these interactions knowing you'll probably never see this person again and it's fascinating. I do. I do love it when we, you know, for lack of better terms, pay it forward and we're aware of our surroundings and we're giving a little bit of extra love to, you know, the lady checking us out at the grocery store or we make sure we look people, the barista in the eye and say, thank you for making my drink rather than just grabbing it, you know, and walking away. And, you know, those little moments, I, I definitely, um, I do that. I always make it a point to ask people's names. You know, that stuff is really important. But I also feel like, again, all of the things you were talking about, like we need to connect with each other. We need to do that with people we know. Right. Like, let me, out into the proverbial world, podcast world, do you know anybody who just started a new job, who uh, just bought a home, whose child just went away to college, who just went away to college. Yeah, a, friend, a, a, a line that I love is check your strong friends. Yes, because they need help the most. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So like people like that who are doing new things and and yeah. um, moving to new places or doing these crazy things. Um, yeah, a quick check-in like goes a long way. Like every so often, I'll get, a, does. I'll get a note from a friend who I haven't talked to in a while, and it means a lot. And it takes 30 seconds to do and, you know, it pays dividends and it doesn't pay dividends. It's like it, it, it's so much more valuable than the time it takes to actually do yeah, it. You never know how you're changing someone's world. And I will even say that from personal experience, you know, um, not many people tend to check in on strong people. Right. And I guarantee you, if you do, you're standing out more than you think. Because on the outside, you look at this person, you go, oh, they've got their life together, traveling all over the world, they're happy. And it's not that they're not happy. This is the other thing that I really like to say. When I talk about on social media sadness or I'm going through something, it's because I like people to know I am a happy person who just happens to be sad at the moment. Right. So what I find fascinating is exactly that. Like the, and this is how I think social media is used best. Like when it's the whole picture and it's mm -hmm. not a highlight reel. Mm -hmm. And so over the summer, like I had a lot of like really sad posts that I made on Instagram. Same. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, I kept getting messages from people like, Check, literally checking in mm -hmm. and saying, I appreciate you and I appreciate yep. the 
the fact that, you know, on the outside, your life looks perfect. Like, your running is great, you're, you have fun with your job, this and that, you're traveling all the time, but you've opened up this side of you that is complete and utter shit right now with, you know, the family stuff that was happening. Well, that's just, that's just one piece of you. And like right. you, like my happiness, it took me a very long time to get happy regardless of what was happening around me. Right. Because to me, that's the ultimate goal. I'm right. not looking to someone else to fulfill it. And it was the hard work that I had to put into it. But then I am allowed to be both of those things. You are allowed to have a really amazing run life and a really amazing job and really love traveling and also happen to be crying because you, you know, something happened with your family. Both Both of those things can happen at the same time. Right. And I think that the part that was most powerful, I guess, for me was over the last year, my running has been better than it's ever been before. Like light years better. I know. I'm like, so jealous. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going through this like immense high at a time when, when personal relationships and family stuff is like the hardest it's ever been. And I started looking forward to workouts and looking forward to tough conversations in the same way. Like mm. I, I had this eight by three minute workout that was, or, or 10 by three minute, it, whatever it was, it was like, it was big and I was scared. And I remember on the, on the second to last interval, I was like, you get to hurt right now. And that was so powerful. Like I'm choosing, like in my head, I remember exactly where I was. I was right along the river between the Charles River, between the Mass Pike exit and the BU Bridge. So that like really boring area. And I was like, this is, can I swear on this podcast? I mean, you already have. Good. I was like, this is <laughs> fucking awesome. Like I get to hurt. I get, this is going to hurt and I get to make it hurt. And I was going into the, the, these hard conversations in the same way. Like if you can, if you can, um, look, if you can accept and acknowledge that what you're about to do is difficult, it's not, it doesn't become this big, scary monster that your body needs to go into fight or flight for. Mm -hmm. You can look at it like a challenge. This is something I'm going to overcome. This is not something that's going to defeat me. And so I got to that place first in running and I was able to come to these big, scary workouts as challenges and as tests not test, but like a something I get to do that's hard. And then I got into having the life side of things all the same way. And that was so powerful. Like I remember sit, standing in the bathroom at my grandparents' house, texting Ladia Albertson, who lost her friend Gabe Broomhold, um, like weeks prior and she had texted me I, I i don't remember what she texted me at this point but i felt like i was like like going into battle not going into battle but like like psych i was like psyching myself up and she was there supporting it mm-hmm. and there were a couple other people that i had like 
coincidentally just gotten text from. And and it, I wish I remembered exactly what she said, but it was so freaking perfect in that moment. And it was very much like, uh, just do what you got to do. Like, you're there. You know what to say. You know what to do. Mm-hmm. Just be. be. And, and be present. And that's all you can do in any situation. Uh, well, it's also like... Um in workouts and you know in life like uh, just showing up and being present is half the battle i love that saying so much i say it all the time just show up yeah and and then the thing that i like to say kind of around the thought process you just said is i look forward to the mariah that's on the other side of what i'm about to go through because i've always been pleasantly surprised at the cool chick that emerges out of a really horrible situation or a really tough situation. Um, like pressure makes diamonds and I'm a shiny bright diamond. (laughs) No, but I like, I always say I was about to sing and I was talking to my dad right before we started to record this podcast and I, saying off key on purpose and he was like please don't ever do that on a podcast and so that's why I just for two seconds I was like mm. you're about to sing aren't you <laughs> I was about to sing uh, that Rihanna song anyways focus let's be serious there's no there's no joking on a podcast no, I'm just <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess I want to be on <laughs> um, but no you're 100% correct you get to you have the privilege you have the privilege to be a part of that workout, just like you have the privilege to be a part of um, that moment with your grandfather. Just like you get the privilege of showing up for your friend, uh, you get the you get you. Not everybody has those moments, both from a physical standpoint, because uh, we've both been injured, and there was a time when we couldn't run, and we would have literally knocked over a bus right, to be someone's leg to, to <laughs> yes. their leg and yeah. exactly and um i guarantee you that you would feel the same way if you missed that moment with your grandfather yeah so you get to you get to do that which is really great i love it this is great i'm so proud of you thanks brian i am i really am proud of you and i don't mean that like in a condescending way i just mean it like you, you have, you have, like you have though, this isn't about me, it's about you. You absolutely have. And I, uh, I echo your mom and your sister and you just, you have like, and then that, that takes courage, vulnerability and all, everything that you've been through takes courage. And that is really difficult. So I do commend you for sure. And now, however, we've gotten to the point where I want you to think about, your one pressing moment that you want to leave on people through this podcast. Oh, so we're done? We can keep talking. What do you want to talk about? We don't have to be done. I don't want to be done. This is so good. Okay. Well, well, then forget it. We're not done. We'll edit this out. What do we want to talk about? (laughs) The one pressing thing. Let's see where it goes. Um, Yeah, sometimes the one pressing thing can last a half hour. That's true. (laughs) Depends what you're trying to press. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The one pressing thing that I want to share. So what do you mean by that? Well, let's, let's, let's 
let me ask you this question because you and I have been planning this podcast for a while. We've been talking about it and I feel like just this week too, you posted about it. You just said you got lots of DMs. You've just really been thinking about it and I love it. I, I, I texted you if you were ready, like if it's 6.30 is still okay and you were like, I can't wait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I feel like I know you well enough to know, like you've thought about what am I going to say? What are we going to talk about? What, you know, can I, how can I uh, leave people with some, some really good nuggets, you know? And I feel like a couple of things I wanted to make sure we talked about one, it's okay not to be okay. Yep. Um, two resources, like how to actually go about, um, finding a therapist, what that looks like, kind of shedding some light on the journey to find one because some people are even afraid to ask people who they know go to therapy, what does it look like to go to therapy? Right. You know, um, I want, really wanted to make sure we hit on that. Um, what you've learned in therapy, how that's helped you. I feel like I've hit on some of the major points that in my head when I was thinking, how do I want this to go? So now I kind of want to turn the mic over to you and say, what are some points that I want to make sure that you talk about that you can enrich other people's lives if we didn't hit yeah. them? So, so I want to like specifically highlight it for men because okay. there, we live in a strange time, 2019. Um, I don't want to say, yeah, we, I'll leave it at that. Um, there's a lot that, um, men and women deal with and there are stigmas that men and women deal with and stereotypes that men and women deal with and and um, I think that talking and talking about feelings isn't a very you know manly thing to do in like the traditional sense mm -hmm. fuck that who cares uh, do it because it's so much better when you can have these conversations and when you can talk about stuff that matters. Um, I saw this, I saw this one meme and I'm going to interject here. Um, it had, it was like my parents' generation or whatever their generation was like, and then Susan, it was like in hush whispered tones. And then Susan went to therapy <laughs> and then it was like, our generation's like, and then my therapist said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's becoming normal. It like, is. I like it. So, so it's wild. So like, I don't know, call it 700 people saw my story about, um, about like seeing a therapist and the fact that I thought that everybody should see a therapist. Yeah. When I say a hundred people replied, like I can pull this up and show you that like Instagram says a hundred replies on this story. Half of those people, um, said that they see a therapist. That's 50 out of 700. That's pretty freaking high from people that are taking the time to record, to, to write that they're seeing a therapist. So you gotta think that, I don't know, there's what, 200 more people that, so that's 250 out of seven, 700 or so. You're that's saying a, a lot of math numbers, dude, and you've lost me. This is the sales rep in you. <laughs> We're just talking about the funnel. A lot. <laughs> I'm on top of, on top of the ladder funnel. You start with 700. Tofu, bofu, and uh, tofu, mofu, bofu. So tofu. <laughs> what I'm saying is 
there are a lot of people that are seeing a therapist. There are a lot of men that are seeing a therapist. It's no longer the, the time where like you're the weird one. If you're seeing a therapist, um, when I first started seeing a therapist, I told maybe 10 people, literally all of them said that they see a therapist too. Maybe I was being very selective with, with who I told, but 10 people that were close to me had also said the same thing. Again, rambling, but what I'm trying to say is... You're just being a golden retriever. It's okay. It's You're just wagging yeah. your tail. Somebody throw me a bone. Um, <laughs> it's common. It's helpful. And just keep talking. Even if you don't see a therapist, talk to your friends, talk to your family, you know, talk to a stranger on Instagram if you have to, like, do whatever it takes because the world's a better place when um, stuff like that happens. And, and um, like I said, we're all dealing with shit and it's, my grandpa came to the conclusion that the point of life was to leave the world a better place than when you came in. Mm-hmm. And that's a Jewish tradition. That's a, I'm sure it's every religion believes in that. But he made a point to say that that was what was important to him. And that's how he lived his life. And that's how I want to live my life. Um, he said, you know, I'm 86 years old. I've done amazing things in my life. I've traveled. I have five grandchildren. I have two kids. Everyone is connected to each other. Um, I've, I've, you know, done enough to be happy and be satisfied. And now I can rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you fast forward life till your last day and you can have that conversation, you win. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, and it kind of goes back to your reminder about the, your own mask first, you know, you can't build that legacy like that if you don't help yourself first to the, be able to help others and grow others and connect with others and build, build that lifestyle. Totally. I dig it. I love it. I feel like you just, you just, you did, you did exactly what I asked you to. You got my mic. <laughs> I'm going to pick it back up. What did I say? Bye. I picked it back up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm super, super, super like, again, I want to reiterate proud of you. Thankful you came on the podcast. I feel like I know you will be on again. Um, Lord knows what we'll be talking about. <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to, Uh, everybody who's listening, um, stick around for the show notes. Jonathan has his own podcast that you can, uh, go subscribe to. Um, it's 2019. Everyone has a podcast, Mariah. Not everybody. Not everybody. Not everybody. Everybody. But yours is pretty great about running. Um, so if you. It's about the mental side of running. It is about the mental side of running. So. Definitely go follow that. And then I'm going to put, like I said, a lot of um, books and links. Um, there's even a really great website I found. Um, I'm almost positive it's called Better Help. I think it's an app. If you don't want to go to a, go to a therapist face-to-face, you can text a therapist. And it's just a friend to talk to. And um, there's tons, like the technology world now, there's no reason not to have somebody to talk to. And I love what you just said, like even reach out to a stranger. I have still many of friends on social media I've never met before. Yeah. And some of them 
I would consider some of my best friends that live in the theater. Ladia, I've literally never even met her. And she was walking me through like the darkest parts of my life. It's amazing. It's incredible. So, (laughs) so listen, podcast world, if you don't have a friend, you now have two. Follow uh, Jonathan on Instagram and follow me on Instagram. And there you go. Two buddies. You better like dogs, though. I mean, for sure like dogs and for sure like getting tagged in dog memes because that's basically how we talk to each other. Exactly. Yeah. I had actually a friend who I hadn't tagged them in like a day or two in a meme and they were like, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. But thank you for checking on me. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Thank you for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. listening everyone and for more stories and or to support the podcast or be on the podcast go to www.eatpraylivealoha.com thank you again um we officially start i want to Make sure that there are no boundaries on where things like things you don't want to talk, you know, talk about. So I have no boundaries. Oh my god, it's exciting. Go wherever you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm, Can you hear me? Yep. So I also sometimes uh, I've never video chatted with somebody while I do this, so you're gonna see me sometimes mute to cough and do this. So pretend. Uh, yep. maybe, Okay. Don't let that throw you off if you're talking. Will do. All right. I'm excited. Okay. You rocked it, dude. That was fun, Mariah. That was fun. That was fun. You said fuck a lot, a lot, a lot much. Like twice. I read an article that said smart people swear. I know, I've read that same article. And smart people are sarcastic. I'm like, oh my God, I'm the smartest person I know. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> but also, smart people are super neat. They pick up, yeah. their, they pick up their shoes. Back check on that. There are no shoes on the floor, actually, in the office. <clears throat> Good, because I'm going to be there bright and early Monday morning. I'll be there before I will. <laughs> There'll be no shoes there. Good, I'm so proud of you. Look at you, you're just growing all around. Gotta love bloopers, right? Thanks for sticking around for the credits. Mahalo and have a good week.